starting up with Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. Going to kick off with Success Spotlight for the week. And our guest today is Iman Sugitan, the co-founder and creative head at Co Chocolat. Iman, good to have you with us. Thanks very much indeed for joining us today. Good to be back here, Richard. Hi, Neil. Just for those who are new to the show or new to Dubai, and many people are, just give us the potted history of Co Chocolat and your journey here in the UAE from your native Philippines. Mm-hmm. So we started searching for healthy chocolates because my mom is diabetic back in 2016. And, you know, we're one of those city people who didn't really understand where good chocolates come from. And we discovered that ah, actually the our country where I'm from, the Philippines, is one of the um, slow batch producer. And we went there. We studied how to farm cacao. We found out that cacao grow on trees, which I didn't know in the beginning. And during that journey, we met farmers. We met some people who were trying to teach farmers so that they can um, earn 1,500 pesos a month for a family. Which is about what? A hun- it's 100 dirhams for a family. And that was the goal. And that changed things for us. So we said, let's, you know, maybe we can do something now instead of thinking of our chocolatey dreams. And that's how um, the agri-social enterprise started. And it's called OFW, para sa magsasaka, which means overseas Filipinos um, supporting Filipino farmers. And that is now the backbone of, of Koshkola. And one of the themes that we've got on the show today is social enterprise. Mm-hmm. And that's why specifically we've got you here to talk today about this. Mm-hmm. Explain your definition of social enterprise. It's for profit. Mm-mm. It's not a charity. Yeah. Explain in your words what you believe a social enterprise to be. If you have a social enterprise, you have to have shared values with the people you are working with as the source of your ingredients or in that value chain, which, which allows you to create your products. And our shared value with our farmers is that we both want them and our enterprise to be successful. We want to sell more chocolates so that at healthy chocolates so that we can get more cacao. And the cacao is coming directly from them. So we say it's better than fair trade because we do direct trade. We know which farmers um, we are getting the cacao from. We, we don't go through a trader anymore. Um, we know their families. We are familiar with them. And this makes all the difference. And a little bit of difference also is that you don't earn as much. You know, your growth might be slower than a traditional enterprise. Um, but because you are taking care, you are ensuring that your farmers are paid well. Because that's a difference between a traditional enterprise. Normally, the farmers is the least of the people you think about. You know? if, if even ask anyone, um, think about chocolates. Does anyone really think about farmers? No, it's, it's, you think about the machines, you think about the flavors, but never the farmers. So, so. Even for us now, that's that continues to be our, you know, our um, cause. What springs to mind for you, Richard, when you hear shared values? Uh, I am a journalist, so I'm paid to be cynical and skeptical. <laughs> and I think a little bit like carbon offsets, it's just profit at all costs, but make some kind so of token me, can gesture. So let me, can I fight back? Yeah. So that's actually was my first thought. I was a little bit cynical, PR uh-huh. speak. But shared values, one of the biggest mistakes that company owners make is that they don't get their staff to know the journey that they're trying to travel. So management and workers, everyone's got different objectives. We're not all on the same page. If you can achieve that, if everyone knows where you're trying to go and feels part of it, then you're more motivated. 
And I'll tell you what, if you're having a bit of chocolate in the morning as well, then you're happy and motivated. Yeah. So and I you think we've got the right guests here. And, and, and you know what? It's um, Even when you're hiring for us, we tell the story to our staff because we want to we be sure that people who join us understand it. And this motivates them. Because we're a small, you know, we're a small business, and you cannot, you cannot always get the best people at, uh, you know, we don't have the funds of a multinational. But when they hear about, you know, we're going to change the world, and that's what we want to do. You know, even the ingredients for healthy chocolates, um, it's it's more pricey than just using sugar or palm oil. But we say, okay, our growth might be slower, but. We're, we're going to ensure that people don't have diabetes. It was lovely. Neil and I tried some earlier on, and it got the absolute thumbs up. Can't be cheap, though. You gave us a little jar. Um, I don't know. What was it? A little jar of loveliness. La- laser focus. <laughs> what, what, what weight is that? This one. So I brought here with me 100 grams. 100 grams. So 100 what, what's grams. that going to cost me? So this one is 60 dirhams. So And it can make you four servings okay so and in this uh, in this jar we say pay the farmer not the pharmacist so what you get here is korean red ginseng and this is a reason why it's pricier than the normal chocolates we and i told you earlier we advise it to be drank only once a day because korean red ginseng can be potent but it has a lot of benefits aside from focus you know um even my my ex-husband he he didn't want to take so much medicines, but he was a big fan of red ginseng, aside from being, you know, eating vegetables and staying away from fat. So I know personally, red ginseng is very good, especially for men. You know, it gives you stamina. It's, it has so many other, th- and many, many nutritional benefits. My daughter's already messaged me saying, Daddy, take more of the one with collagen <laughs> in. I'm not sure what the message is there. Yeah. But you've got collagen in chocolate, yeah. so you can eat chocolate and grow more beautiful yes. and young. You can eat this and it can, it can be drank as well. I mean, it's four servings if it's drank, but if it's eaten, I mean, you can see there's one, two, three, there are... 14 pieces inside. Yeah, just to paint a picture, it's, it's a jar, like a, a kind of a, a jam or marmalade jar, but a little mm-hmm. bit smaller. And even though it's hot chocolate, it comes in chunks with a, the size of a normal chocolate. Yeah, they're tablets. So, and we did, we did mm-hmm. eat them, yeah. or you can just pour water on them, yes. and suddenly, hey presto, you've got hot chocolate. Fine. We'll get on to the, the, the healthy aspects of this and the ginseng mm-hmm. in about 10 minutes' time, because we're going to speak to the person you're collaborating with yeah. on that line. But first of all, let's talk about the journey. From 2016, you identified a problem. We mm-hmm. want nice, healthy chocolate for my diabetic mum. Fine. Yeah. Step one, you f- figure out that in your native Philippines, you can source cacao. Mm-hmm. So you do that. There's still a lot to be done. You've got to get the cacao over here build a chocolate factory, mm. turn it into chocolate, mm. market it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Last time you spoke to my colleague Brandy Scott and our producer Milani was 2019, and they discovered you in Ripe Market. Yeah. So it was a pop-up store. That was 2019. Fast forward to 2023, you're a lot more than just a pop-up market store. You've got a factory. Yes. 6,000 square feet. You've got backing mm. from, well, Big UAE companies, very big UAE companies. Mm-hmm. You're going into some A-list shopping malls, different scale. Talk me through how that happened. Um, so after 2019 was the year we decided let's have a website so we can sell. We'll continue doing pop-ups, but we should have a website. And so that's that's 2019. And then the pandemic hit in 2020, but 
that actually was good for us because it leveled the playing field. Whereas we were just a small brand doing pop-ups, selling online. Everyone was selling online. And the one who was able to speak well with their with their audience and really connect with them, that, you know, uh, that succeeded in the pandemic. And that's what we were doing. We got more in touch with them. We were online. Um, and then after 2020, that's so 2021, we were invited by um, Candelicious in the Dubai Mall to start the healthy section of, of Candelicious. And for us, that's a win because we didn't have a, a brick and mortar. So we got to that space, started there, that's 2021. And then 2022, we were invested by uh, Mr. Fahad bin Jumaf of Saudi. And that's how we were able to create our 6,000 square feet factory now, which has a cafe as well. And then, and that's in Wasan, isn't it? Yes, it's in Wasan. I go there to buy plants for my garden. Yeah. You have to drop by and have hot chocolate I'm or coffee. I'm coming to look for olive trees this weekend. So now it's Please. going to be ch chocolate olive trees. <laughs> Sounds perfect. I know it's like a, there's nothing there, but now there is something there. You can have coffee. You can sit and relax after you've bought your plants. It's a, we've we've actually intended uh, that location because it was more quiet. How many staff do you have? At the now moment? we have 20. We have 20 staff. Um, some of them are here. Some of them are working um, remotely. Um, and uh, yeah, we are we are going. We're going to be in Merdif City Center and going to open in and Al no Al palm Zayn oil Al whatsoever. No. So the orangutans, thank you. Uh, yes, <laughs> not just the orangutans. I mean, um, if you've seen, I've seen a palm uh, a palm oil that the trees on which uh, these oils are taken, and you cannot grow anything after you go you grow mm. them because the roots are really so hard. And this is what some people don't understand. Mm. Um, it's environmentally not good. Um, there's nothing for the body except um, it's an extender. Are you in shopping malls at the moment? Uh, we will be in Merdif City Center and we will be in Al Zayn in Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah. Well, I can tell you, you might be in another one soon because the general manager commercial of a very well-known shopping center is listening at the moment and said, please pass on my number. Oh, really? So oh that God. could be that could be that you're off air at uh, oh at one thirty. <laughs> so Tom, just leave your phone on. Um, we're going to take a uh, we're going to speak, as I say, to your partner who does some of the uh, the, the the herbal yes. infusions into your chocolate in yeah, a few moments' time. Mm. First of all, though, money question: mm. Are you profitable? Do you break even? Do you make money? After we created the factory, which is last year, so we are yet to break even. You're yet to break even. Yes, we are yet to break even. And did you dilute your shareholding when you got this investment from the investor in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, we did. We did. Because he invested a million dollars. He invested a million dollars. And that has enabled us to you know, procure a lot of things and build a factory. We were just in a cloud kitchen before. Um, and of course, when you're just bootstrapping the stability of, of, your, um, of, your, of, your, of your staff, their salaries count on the everyday sales. But... With somebody who's, you know, who has injected money that has given us some more stability. And, um, yeah. I like, I like the fact that you have a long-term plan. You don't want to try and get things. You're not taking a shortcut. You're wanting to do it a little bit better. Better ingredients, better attitude with, with the staff. Yeah. And I, I can see that it's mirrors in the chocolate because I've still got the taste in my mouth. And I ate it about 20 minutes ago. Mm, it's, really, it's pure 
pure pure chocolate without removing I sound like any an of investor. the parts. Yeah. I, uh, well, uh, the, the, I have lost the taste, so I'm going to have to, <laughs> purely have to have for research one. purposes, have another one. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest this afternoon is Iman Sugitan of Co Chocolat. We are talking the economics of chocolate. So it's a social enterprise. Mm. If people have just tuned in, you source the cacao from your native Philippines and you make sure that the farmers get a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. What advice would you give to someone who's thinking about launching a social enterprise, balancing the social bit Mm -hmm. with the enterprise bit because you've got to pay the bills? Mm -hmm. Um, They got to do their research and they have to be realistic when they when they dive into this into this world why because um it is not charity so money needs to come back you need to look at your profit and loss your pnl you need to be familiar with the people you're going to partner with because um, i've had people who who's, who's been asking me they want to do this with this farm they want to do this with these fishermen um, and that's what I would tell them, get to know them and make sure that you have somebody on the ground. If you're not going to be there to be, you know, to be hands on somebody you can trust and uh, to ensure that it's profitable. Is it important to know the area where you're sourcing your product from? For example, you're Mindanao, mm-hmm. second largest island in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. That's where you spend a lot of time. It's an area you know well. Is that essential or could you potentially have done this from... Kenya or somewhere else for that matter. How important is that local knowledge? It's very important to have local knowledge. Very, very important um, because you need to understand how they think. When I went there, I've lived in Dubai for 20 years. Before Dubai, I lived in Manila, in Makati. And the way I, I thought is different from the way farmers think. And when I started immersing myself, living there, getting myself like like really dirty down on the ground with a, you know, in the farms, that's when I understand, okay, they think differently. I cannot have these KPIs. I cannot have these things. And imagine if it were another place where people had a different language and I didn't understand their culture, that's going to compound it. So it's better if you have local knowledge when you do, um, when you you enter a social enterprise or you create a social enterprise. So it's relatively healthy. Mm. Some of your chocolate does have sugar, but it's coconut sugar. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is sugar sugar, surely? Why is coconut sugar better than high fructose corn syrup, for example? Um, coconut sugar is easier in the glycemic index. So it doesn't, it doesn't attack your, your, your blood the way cane sugar does or, you know, these high, high fructose um, super sugars that they have. And even last week, we released um, in the type 1 diabetes family weekend, monk fruit, because monk fruit is zero sugar. Um, and it is, if you look at the carbohydrates that, uh, that's in coconut sugar, it's lower. And being my, having a mother, I take care of my mother, she lives with us. We check on these things, carbohydrates, sugar, before we let her eat anything. And that's what we want. We want people to, you know, to, to be able to experience a good, healthy, delicious chocolate. This is important. Delicious. Right then, let's talk about some of the, the healthy additives that you've put into your chocolate. The mm-hmm. three you've got there, just remind us, what are the, f- forgive my vernacular, the additives in there? Okay, so the first one is laser focus for our adaptogenic line, which has, 
It is orange infused with dark, uh, 50% dark hot chocolate with Korean red ginseng. The other one, Keep Calm Drink Me, is has ashwagandha, maca, and vanilla beans. So it's ma- it's supposed to make you relax. And then I have my Lavian Rose, which is rose-infused dark milk hot chocolate with collagen. Right. So another one of our themes today on the show is collaboration. And you have collaborated with Julie Faye Evans, who is a specialist in this field. Neil. See, I'm, I'm just worried on her behalf because what, what you've done is you've given him a whole load of ginseng and mm. the journalist in him is getting more and more prying <laughs> as more the ginseng is taking focused. effect. So, Richard, I, I think you are proving through your own intelligent questioning that it works. <laughs> I think so. I do. Very rarely asking intelligent questions. It's not, not something I'm known for. Um, interview question. Mm. Actually, you can call it functional food. Because um, normally you eat chocolates for, for fun as a, as a treat. But imagine you're eating something and you're getting additional benefits, focus, relaxation. And this is what we want people to have. Uh, to look at chocolates in a different angle, not just like, no, we don't eat chocolates. You're going to have pimples or you're going to get fat. No. I mean, there is a trap, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I love coconut water or whatever it is that you call it. And I went through a phase of thinking that I was being incredibly healthy. Mm-hmm. And it is natural. But coconut it, water. Yes, but mm-hmm. it, it does the, the particular one that I have, which is absolutely gorgeous and turns pink if you leave it for a couple of uh, <laughs> days. But it's, uh, that's a, a plug for anyone that knows. Um, it does have a huge amount of sugar in it, unfortunately, so you can't glug loads of bottles of yeah. it. So there's... The, there's coconut water. I love what you're mm. trying to do here, but that there is a danger that someone like me that absolutely loves chocolate will tell myself. <laughs> I mean, as with all things, you cannot eat anything too much, even mangoes. You cannot eat mm. too much mangoes. You cannot eat too much of even of what we think are it's, it's a good thing because there will be sugar in mango or even... Uh, even in grapes, for a di- for a diabetic, eating mm. like six grapes, that's enough. Too much water, yeah. dangerous as well, Richard. What lies beneath? Five years time, where mm. do you see yourself in terms of a the scale of the business mm-hmm. and b potentially more investment or maybe even an exit? Mm-hmm. Well, five years down the line, we see ourselves having opened at least four. In fact, hold, that, hold, hold yeah. that thought because we've got Julie sure. back on the line now and I'm very keen to get her thoughts. Yeah. Julie Faye Evans, good to have you with us. Yes, I'm back. Thank you. Talk to me about what's um, in the chocolate. So we've got a brand there called um, For Focus and there's ginseng in it, which is a circulatory. So it brings all the oxygen, all the blood vessels to the brain. So it's like a brain tonic. And it's really supportive fine brain fog where you need to like, you know, really focus on a task. So... Ginseng is the one for you. And then there's another hot chocolate drink with ashwagandha, which I drink in the evening. It's really good for soothing, relaxation. It's a nervine system. It's like Julie, we're going to have to leave it there. It's not a great line, but I absolutely get your point. How did this collaboration come around? Because it's great that you're working with someone like Julie Faye Evans, a specialist in in this field of adaptogens. We know her because she's uh, she's one of the yoga teacher, one of the yoga teachers we work with, and um, she's just so full of energy. And we know that she's the expert when it comes to herbs. You know, you got to give it to the people who know their stuff. And Julie knows her herbs because she's a clinical herb- herbalist. And so she collaborated with my sister, 
who's the expert in chocolates. So we said, okay, why don't you guys do your magic? And here you go. And it worked. It's great when collabs work. I'm sure you've seen when collabs go wrong, though, Neil. What's the difference between (laughs) the ones that work and the ones that don't? Firstly, don't choose to collaborate with someone who's identical to you just because you like them. Look look for something that adds a complementary but differing strength. And secondly, I, I would say you've trust. Trust is so incredibly important. You've got to let that person do what they're good at. Listen, we're going to have to leave it there. It's been a fascinating conversation. I'm sure we will speak again. At both at Neil and myself are planning to come up to your facility, your chocolate factory yes. in Wilson, because you do invite you, people. Can You can buy a tour, can't you, and do the chocolate factory, yeah. the Willy Wonka thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We even have school children coming, university students coming, people coming in for organizational team building. So well, you're going to have a couple of yeah. middle-aged men who are using their children as an excuse, but are basically <laughs> coming because we want to. Iman, thanks so much for joining Very us today. Welcome. Really appreciate Very your welcome, time. Uh, the company is Coast Chocolat. A lot of people are asking about that. And we've been speaking to the co founder and creative head, Iman Sugitan. Appreciate your help. This is Starting Up with Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back. This is Starting Up. Richard Dean in for Tom Urquhart this morning. Neil Petch, chairman of Virtue Zone, unlike Mr Urquhart who's enjoying a long leisurely lunch, is with us putting a shift in, in the studio. Morning, Neil. Afternoon, Neil. <laughs> rolling up rolling up the sleeves, but loving it. So there's nothing like it. Let's jump straight into our next section now. We're talking about podcasting, and in particular, monetizing podcasts, because it wouldn't be starting up if we didn't look how to make a pretty penny out of it. Listen up if you've got a podcast and you'd like to earn a few dirhams. Lemia Sultani is with us in the studio. She's the co-founder and commercial director of Next Broadcast Media here in Dubai. Lemia, good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me here. So you're the guy, if someone's got a podcast, you can help them get some adverts on it and therefore make some money. You mainly work for big brands who are looking to advertise on podcasts or create podcasts and monetize them. I'm looking at your website and it's... um, it's not a bad role of honour in terms of clients. I'm looking at McDonald's. I'm looking at Toyota. I'm looking at Emirates Airline and some company called Virtue Zone. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> They've been working with you for a long time. I could go on. The point is you've got a good roster of clients. In simple terms, a lot of us listen to podcasts at the moment. What is your bit of the value chain? Yeah. Um, so the first question that we get from podcasters or people who have a podcast is how can I monetize my show? How can I monetize my content? And um, I think a good comparison is to, to YouTubers uh, because YouTubers, same as podcasters, are content creators and they're also influencers. And YouTubers, for example, they can work with brands directly. They can get sponsorship deals, collaborations, or they can create content for a brand. And um, the second way YouTubers can make money is they can enable the monetization. So that means that YouTube, they get brands, um, f- yeah, f- advertising campaigns, and uh, they charge cl- clients for that. And, uh, and then YouTube runs it on several YouTube channels. And at the end of the month, um, YouTubers, they get paid um, depending on how many ads were played on their channels, on their show. And um, something similar uh, yeah, it's pretty similar to, to uh, podcasters. So podcasters, they can work with brands directly. They can get sponsorships. They can do branded episodes. 
And at the same time, they can uh, work with a partner like us, like Next Broadcast Media, who can run ad campaigns and we help them with the monetization because we work with brands like you mentioned, Emirates Airline, all the ad advertising agency who run campaigns and we run those ads on multiple podcasters and then the podcasters get paid at the end of the month by us. Okay, fine. I'm going to dig a little deeper into your business model in a second. First up though, let's hear one of the adverts that you've created. I understand that you created this in the back of a taxi on the way here <laughs> using AI in just a few seconds time. What are we going to hear now? Okay, so um, one of the first challenges that we faced uh, when we started was that most of our brands or advertisers, they didn't have any audio creatives. So um, most of the brands that create uh, video ads for YouTube or for social media display ads, but then audio creatives were not really a priority. So what we started to do is that we created proactively audio creators for their campaigns and we worked with different studios um, that helped us with the script and, and then the voiceovers, they helped us record it and uh, we offered it for free because if there was no audio ad, there was no audio campaign. So this is how, how we started. And now with the rise of AI, um, this process is getting way, way easier. So with the help of AI, we can come up with a script literally within seconds, and we can also record an ad within a few seconds. And uh, we just launched a self-service platform, which is called adminager.fm, where anyone can set up and launch a campaign within five minutes. You just set up um, the campaign name, the duration, your budget. Um, if you don't have an audio creative, you can answer to a few questions. It will generate your script. And within five seconds, maximum 10 seconds, you get an audio ad that is recorded by AI. And this is one of them. Exactly. Join us today for another exciting episode of Starting Up with VertiZone. Tune in on Dubai I 103.8 with the show's host, Richard Dean, and VertiZone's founder and chairman, Neil Patch. Or you can listen to the show on any podcast listening platform like Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. So you didn't write that script. You I didn't write it. You just put in a few keywords. So what did you write yeah, so our script generator asks you about the goal of your campaign. Um, what is, is there any specific that you want to mention? Um, any USPs, any call to action? Uh, you can even um, yeah, decide on the, on the script type if it's going to be corporate, serious or even funny. And then the script automatically will be generated depending on, uh, on the uh, keywords that you put in. And so uh, what's your business model? How do you get paid? So we get paid by advertisers. So advertisers, they run ad campaigns, audio campaigns, and we get paid by them. And then we have a ref share with our podcasters. That so they pay paid. you a fee up front? Uh, advertisers, um, it depends. So, yeah, sometimes it's, yeah, we have different models. Sometimes we get paid after 90 days, 30 days, depending on the on But, but some of it is fee-based. And some of it is commission-based, am I right? Um, it's always, a f it's on a CPM model. So basically the clients, they pay us how many times the ad played. Um, and then, yeah, depending on that, we get paid. I got a question as well. I mean, there's, this show is for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping there's hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs and a lot of them have interesting, you know, businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and like me, probably talk too much people have said hey why don't you do a podcast but mm -hmm. then they might warble on for an hour now i understand that you have some sort of technology or ability to cut little parts and make it relevant because what the richard and i of this world of, of a certain generation realizes is is that you've got to do things in in tiny little bite-sized chunks right okay. so how how does one do that so 
I mean, if I would suggest to anyone who has interesting content or in interesting stories to start their podcast. Um, and, um, and then if you want to promote it, we can help you with a promotion on relevant audiences. For example, if you have your, your business, yeah, if you want to start a business. But Lamia, Richard just said something, because I, you know, I think he's fascinating, mm -hmm. right? But he's like, no, he said, I already do 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. with Why would I do another hour? So you know, there's a lot of people who went, yeah, we've got interesting stuff, but mm -hmm. you've got to sift through a lot of chaff to True. find the wheat. True. Um, I mean, there's 4 million podcasts listed, listed on Apple Podcasts, and um, I think the majority, they started, but they're not continuing and they're not popular anymore. I think the key is that you are uh, continuously creating content, that it's um, regularly because people, they tune in to yeah, two shows that are interesting and okay, that so, are so continuously. We've got 30 seconds left. For example, with Virtue Zone, mm -hmm. how do you pick which podcast you're going to put the Virtue Zone ads on? So with Virtue Zone, uh, we set uh, the targeting to, to business categories on entrepreneurships. So because if you have a podcast, you have to choose the category and say, this is a business podcast. And we have this information. So when we run a campaign, we can say, okay, we want to play the Virtue Zone ad only, Virtue Zone ad only on podcasts that are in the category of business and entrepreneurship. And this is how we do it. Fascinating stuff, particularly for myself in the audio content industry and the advertising industry for that matter. Really appreciate you joining us today. The thoughts of Lemia Sultani. She is the co-founder and commercial director of Next Broadcast Media. Lemia, thanks very much indeed. Thanks very much. Thanks, thanks a lot. Starting up with Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back. This is starting up with Virtue Zone. Richard Dean in for Tom Urquhart today. Don't worry, normal services resume next week. Mr. Urquhart will be back. He's on a secret mission up at the airport at the moment in Dubai, south ahead of the air show, which is why I'm standing in and delighted to be here with the chairman of Virtue Zone, Neil Petch. Neil, what have we learned so far today from our chocolatier in particular? Well, I, I mean, I actually really, I love it when a sportsman comes in or a chocolatier comes in and we learn stuff about business. And I, I feel that that lady's company, everyone in, in the company, they are motivated and they're on, they're, they're on the same course. So as an entrepreneur out there, I think, well, I think that we have, uh, we have learned that. And I think the cynic in you has perhaps uh, uh, learned that you can do things for the right uh, uh, reason whilst making money. Questions coming in for you. Can I put these to you, Neil? Yes, you can. Patrick's written in. Here we go. I am a host and presenter with over 15 years experience in the UAE, but also in the United Kingdom. And Patrick says the following. I am planning to start a training company here in Dubai. Where and how should I begin? Okay, so I've already spotted there's another question of a, of a similar ilk. And many times you will get advice that you can set up super fast. Um, and normally that's going to be a free zone license and it's going to be told that it's very, very cheap. Stuff like this, you, when, when there's a regulator involved, and in the case of training, KHDA is, is going, to, going to be involved. So it's quite likely that you'll need a mainland license because it's quite likely that you're going to be visiting companies whose offices are, are in the mainland. So that would be one piece of advice. And, and for those out there, that doesn't mean you need to have a 51% local partner 
increasingly more and more activities in, in the mainland you can have 100% uh, own, ownership on. So always do your research. That's why, luckily for us, companies like us exist, that we know this, we know the authorities, we know the regulators, we know the, what they like to see. And then very importantly, when you've got your company running, you want to be able to get a bank account that actually can take transactions rather than you keep on getting frozen because they don't know why the money's coming for a certain thing. So it's thinking through these things as well. So what about tax for Neil? I heard you earlier on on the agenda speaking with Georgia about this. I know it's a massive focus for Virtue Zone, or well, for many of the others, but, but for Virtue Zone, for someone like Patrick, who's probably going to be a sole trader to start with, probably going to be bootstrapping his business. But even he's going to have to register for tax, isn't he? Even though he's probably year one and two not going to be anywhere near the threshold. Yeah, so, exactly. Any. So the great news is, you know, because tax, everyone associates tax with, oh my goodness, fear and, and, and so on. But the actual regulations are the most lenient and most supportive of the startup sector that I know anywhere in the world. And and, and so 95% of, of certainly the bootstrapping companies, probably 100% aren't going to have to pay tax. They are going to have to have a stamp and that stamp is something that a number of companies like us visit taxready.ae. We're doing it for free. We're letting people have three months of accounts. We're onboarding people so that they've got the stamp, so that the government authority knows that they are safe. And the point I was making on the show earlier is once you've done that, once you've given some information to the accountants, now you're a less risky prop- proposition to invest in. So you might get better facilities from the bank you might get better insurance from the bank and you might be able to save some money neil petch is the chairman of virtue zone as ever it flies back or flies by all too quickly neil it's been great fun hosting the show with you thank you for letting me take tom's hot seat thank you very much indeed pleasure learning this is starting up with virtue zone tom's back next week